Hey, how you doing, Ignite City Church? Hey, there's a part in our Bible reading plan that really stood out to me, and it's out of Genesis 2 and 3. And I've I've preached Genesis 3 uh, hundreds of times because I always connect it with the gospel message when I'm calling people or students to come to Christ. Um, but I've never, I've never put these two chapters together because there's something that stood out this time that I've never seen before. And I'm trusting that, hey, I'm still growing and God is still revealing new truths to me. But here in chapter two, starting in verse nine, it says this, the Lord God caused to grow out of the ground every tree pleasing in appearance and good for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden, as well as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, so there's just a descriptive of what he's created, but notice how he describes it. It says, out of the ground, every tree pleasing in appearance and good for food. So remember those. When you go over to chapter three, remember this is where the serpent comes. This would be the devil comes in to tempt Eve and Adam away from what it is that God said. He, and the reason I say Eve and Adam, because he went after Eve first and Adam's standing there. I don't know why he's not stepping in and saying anything, but he's just standing there. So he, he, te he tempts Eve trying to deceive her. And he said, and he says, did God, okay, what did God say? Did he say, uh, when you get to, did God really say you can't eat of any tree in the garden? That's verse one. She's like, well, we can't eat of any tree in the garden. We just can't eat of that tree or we're going to die. Um, like we can't even touch it or we're going to die. Now God said, he didn't ever say don't touch it, but she added that. So he said, don't touch it or we're going to die. And he says this, he goes, you're not going to die. Which is really what he's trying to do is to make her believe that God's holding out. God's lying to her. And that, he, and that the enemy, that Satan, is actually telling the truth. He says, you're not going to die. For God knows that when you eat of it, you'll be, you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. Now, I think that there's a deception there. If you get to be your own God, and I believe that's there. But I also believe that he's trying to let her know, hey, I'm not deceiving you. God's deceiving you, and God is holding out on you because if you actually did this, you could be more like him. In other words, he's not letting you in. Like You are not going to experience everything that you can experience because he doesn't want you to experience. He's holding things back from you. Now, here's the part that, that, that hit me. In verse six, it says, the woman saw that the tree was good for food. Okay, we saw that in chapter two, verse nine. It was good for food and a delight to look at. We saw that in chapter two, verse nine. And then there's a third justification. There's a third observation. And that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. God never put that in there. Like it had nothing to do, the, when you get back to chapter two, verse nine, the Lord God caused to grow out of the ground every tree pleasing in appearance and good for food. That's the purpose of the food. She now is connected because of what the enemy has said and the ability to gain wisdom. So it hit me. Wisdom's a good thing. Wisdom is a good thing so long as you have wisdom that's defined correctly. So I can't take wisdom and go, let me define what wisdom actually is like. Wisdom is this. And if it doesn't go with what true wisdom is, then what have I settled for? What she was, think about it. She came up with the first two. I see that I see that the food is good for food. It's a delight to the eyes, which God said, hey, I've made it. I've made food beautiful and I've made it good for food. You're going to enjoy it. But he never talked about wisdom. This wasn't the point of the food. And yet she came up with that because she fell into a deception. And and Adam, he 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 was deceived. He rebelled against God because of the fact that he knew what God had said and yet went against that. So what is wisdom? So if you take your Bibles and you go to James chapter 3. In James chapter 3, James is writing about wisdom. So in James chapter 3, I think it starts in, let me get there real quick. James chapter 3, starting here in verse, what was it? Verse 17. It talks about wisdom. It talks about this wisdom that's from above. 
In verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without pretense. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. So here James describes what wisdom from above is like. We want that kind of wisdom. It's not above, he talks about in James chapter 3, 13, who among you is wise and understanding by his good conduct, he should show that his works are done in gentleness that comes from wisdom. What I think he's doing is actually addressing that. There are many who are saying, hey, we're living in wisdom, but they weren't being gentle, um, a gentleness that comes from wisdom, which I think is like meekness. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come um, does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Friends, what I think that they settled for was a demonic wisdom. And I don't want to see us, I don't want to see us settle for anything demonic, that anything that's just worldly. Friends, our battle is not against the world. Remember I said this, and I, I got it from a different podcast. I can't remember which one it was. But our, our, our fight is not against the world, but our fight is for the world. We want the world to know Jesus. But friends, we should not settle for a worldly definition of what wisdom is or what love is. Love is defined in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, verses 4 through the very beginning of 8 or the very end of 7. That's, how, that's what love is. It's defined there. And here, wisdom is defined here from the scriptures. We want to live with that, not to settle. But in order to know how to live in wisdom, we have to know what God has said about it. In order to know what God has said about it, we have to know what God says. And again, I'm going to push. We got to be, we got to be people who are the book. We got to sit there and go, okay, so this has stood the test of time. For the last couple thousand years, this has stood the test of time. This is God's word. God breathed this out that we can know him better, know our plight, know his remedy. He can reveal things to us, speak to us, convict us, encourage us. We want to go with what it, he's, what it is that he says rather than settling for three justifica justifications for why I think I should be allowed to do and whatever it is. Adam and Eve stood there. Eve thought through, hey, the food is a delight to the eyes. It's good for food. And it's going to make me wise. And yet she had a wrong definition of wisdom because she believed a lie. Friends, we want to hold on to truths so that we have true wisdom. Wisdom, the ability to make decisions based upon right and correct information, but to make good decisions based on that information. Friends, that's wisdom. To not jump to conclusions, but to pull back, to slow down, to respond to situations, to think through things rather than just react Friends, wisdom, we want to live in wisdom. There's, there's peace that comes with wisdom. We want to experience that, but not settle for a worldly or an earthly standard of it because we've been called to more. Friends, I hope this is helpful. Hope it's an encouragement to you. Love you more than you know. We'll talk soon. We'll see you later.